Thank you for joining us today. I'm Pastor Hagen Lister here at Word of Faith Outreach Center in Joaquin, Texas. If you'd like to join us in person, all of our service times, contact information, and a map to our physical location is on our website. That's www.woftx.com. You can also watch past live streams or watch us live on our Facebook page, WFTX. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. So Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed with this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So this verse, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard this verse. And it tells us to do two things. or It, it addresses two aspects of our lives. It addresses what we do with our bodies, which is we present them as living sacrifices to God. And it also concerns what we do with our minds. And it tells us to renew our minds to the will of God. It tells us that we can't prove or do the acceptable, perfect will of God until we decide to do something with our minds. So, and again, I know you've probably heard this thing that I'm about to say if you've been in church for a while, but for those of you maybe who haven't, I just wanted to go over it. I don't want to skip over it or just assume that everybody has heard this before. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible, or, or God's Word, it divides us into three parts. A spirit, which is what is born again when we get saved. Our soul, which is our mind, our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts. And then our bodies, which of course we know what our bodies are. So we've got three parts to us. Now we know as Christians... What we do with our body matters. God has a lot to say about presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. And there's a lot of instructions in the New Testament about the things we should or shouldn't do. But the Bible also has a whole lot to say about what we do with our minds. And I'm going to be honest with you. I grew up as a Christian. I mean, I got saved when I was five years old. And I just never had the wild streak that a lot of kids do. I just wasn't that person. I have a very boring testimony. I just went to church and did what I was told to do. Like, that's my testimony in a nutshell. I just never went through a rebellious phase. I mean, I did normal teenager things, but I wasn't a drinker. I didn't do drugs. I wouldn't have even, I didn't know where to get drugs. I don't even know where to get them now. Like, I don't even know anybody that, I couldn't even hook myself up with if I had to. I don't know. So that's just, that's just not my scene, okay? So... I was always kind of satisfied with, you know, I'm a good Christian girl, you know, I do what I'm supposed to do, but I never really gave a whole lot of thought to what I did with my mind, and I realized, honestly, that's just as important as what we do with our bodies, because what you do with your mind affects every aspect of your life. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What do we do with our minds? Because our minds can go squirrely, our minds can do crazy things. And the thing is, nobody around us can, would know. So the things that we think about, so I heard somebody say it like this, what we do with our bodies, that forms our reputation for other people to see, but what's going on in our mind, that's our reputation with God, because God sees everything that's going on in our minds. So it's important. So Jesus said, remember in Matthew 5, 28, and we won't turn there, and I won't read it, 
But remember he said that you've heard uh, that you're not to commit adultery. But if you lust after someone, that's like committing adultery. He raised the standard from what people did in their bodies. And he said, okay, that's important. But what we do in our minds, that's important too. He also said in 1 John 3.15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. You don't have to commit the act for it to matter to God. It has, it's whatever's going on in your mind that really matters. So Romans 12.2 in the Amplified Version says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So tonight, I don't want to really talk about sin as it concerns the way we think, because I think everybody's kind of heard, you know, we know we're not supposed to think bad thoughts. We know we're not supposed to sin in our minds. But I don't want to think, I don't want to think about it like sinning or not sinning. I want to show you that by choosing to renew your mind, you can actually make yourself have a much better life, a much better, uh, you can make yourself happier. Um, renewing your mind according to God's word does a lot for you. So I'm going to pick out just a few things. I mean, it's exhaustive. You could talk about any area of your life, but I'm just going to pick a few and we'll just talk about those. So I'm not any kind of psychologist or any ist or anything like that. I don't have a degree in any of that. But I was uh, looking some of this stuff up about the mind, and it's interesting that sometimes you'll find things that the Bible says, and now science is saying the same thing. It's like God told us this thousands of years ago, and now people are finally starting to catch up to it. For decades, probably for more than 100 years, um, in mental therapy, the idea was... um, to go back into our childhood and try to figure out what went wrong with us in our childhood. It's called psychoanalysis. It was created by a guy named Sigmund Freud. If you haven't heard of him, he was a really weird guy. But he was. He was a really weird guy. But I'm sure he was brilliant. But his idea was that if you can go back far enough in your childhood, you can come up with some repressed memories that if you go deep enough, you can kind of figure out why you're having trouble with your mind. And also, he said, you can interpret your dreams to maybe try to figure out what's going on. But in more recent decades, over the past 10, 15, 20 years, uh, the mental health field has gone more into something called, um, what is it called? It's called CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. So the type of therapy it is focuses on patterns of thinking and recognizing unhealthy thought patterns and then replacing them with healthy thought patterns. And that, see me, sounds a whole lot like Romans 12.2. It sounds a whole lot like renewing your mind and changing the way that you think. So they're finally catching up with this. So that's good. So I'm going to pick three areas. Like I said, it's an exhaustive subject. But for the sake of tonight, we're going to talk about how renewing your mind can help you with fear and anxiety, how it can help you with your happiness, and how it can help you with your relationships with other people. So, first of all, renewing your mind to conquer stress and anxiety and fear, worry, that kind of thing. Now, I looked this up, and we have a problem. 19% of Americans have some sort of diagnosed anxiety disorder. That's one in five people, and that's just diagnosed. That's not, like, I'm not diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, but sometimes I feel anxious. You know, sometimes I worry. And so just imagine, you know, 
I would say probably 80, 90% of us sitting in this room would say that we sometimes have a problem with fear, worry, things going on, stress. It's just epidemic. We watch the news and we worry about what's going on in Russia. We worry about the gas prices. We worry about the economy. We worry about our health. We have just this low-level anxiety that our world today just seems to create. And then 11% of people have full-blown panic attacks where it just becomes too much to deal with and you end up with a panic attack. And then 10% of people have specific anxieties or phobias. And I wanted to have a little bit of fun because we should have a little fun in church. But I looked it up. And we all know about, like, specific, like, we've heard of, like, arachnophobia. What is that? Fear of spiders. spiders. Claustrophobia. Fear of tight spaces. But did you know that if you had syngenistophobia, you are afraid of your relatives? That is a fear of relatives. (laughs) If you have genophobia, you have a fear of knees. So... If you have that, don't wear shorts, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. If you have philophobia, you have fear of love. If you have turophobia, you have a fear of cheese. I love cheese. I don't have that fear. Now, I felt completely justified when I read this. There is a such thing as globophobia, which is a fear of balloons. And y'all, I hate balloons. I hate them. Okay, and so I told Sandra that I was going to talk about her a little bit tonight. I have never met a children's pastor that didn't, wasn't just crazy about doing things with balloons. So a couple years ago, we were doing the um, little fall fest out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were there. We were doing the fall fest, and I volunteered to help because I'm just that kind of person. I just wanted to help Sandra. And so she's like, okay, I'll find something for you and Carlton to do together. And so we get there, and what does she say? But I've put you and Carlton in charge of the balloon toss. So I have to stand there while little kids throw sharp darts at balloons and pop them on purpose. And I don't know, but I know sometimes Sandra is devious, and I don't know that she did that on purpose. <laughs> but, but I wouldn't put it past her to have done that on purpose because she knows I don't like balloons. But anyway, so globophobia, it's a thing. Turophobia, I said that's a fear of cheese. Epiplophobia is a fear of furniture. Anatidophobia is the fear of being watched by a duck. So somebody had to have that because they wouldn't have a name for it. So somebody had to go to their therapist and say, I have a real fear of being watched by a duck. And they had to come up with a name. So it's a real, it's a real thing. My favorite one, the last one is... Hippopotamonstros equiptaliophobia, ironically, is the fear of long words. So, <laughs> anyway, that's just a little bit of fun. <laughs> but, but honestly, fear, living in fear and anxiety is not fun. It's torture. It, it is a terrible thing to live with. And a lot of people deal with it. Now, I've had a problem with anxious thoughts as long as I can remember. Even as a kid, I can remember asking my mom when I was like four or five years old, am I breathing? Like, 
I don't know. Like, I was just an anxious kid, you know. So my whole life, I've just had to really stay on top of having fear and anxiety sort of take over. And every now and then, I'll go down a spiral of what-if sort of anxious thoughts. So if you're friends with my husband, you know that he never answers his phone. He's not going to answer it. You know why? Because it's not on. So it doesn't matter. If, you're, if you call him, he's not going to answer because it's not on. So I don't know if any of you ladies have ever had the experience of making your husband mad enough at you that they needed to go for a drive, but I have. So <laughs> I have made Carlton mad enough that he said, you know what, I think I just need to go for a drive. Well, that happened a few months ago. And Carlton went for a drive. Well, I th- I'm thinking like, He's not that mad. Like, he'll be back in 15 minutes, right? Well, he wasn't back in 15 minutes. And y'all, I'm telling off on this. That's okay, right? Today's our anniversary. So, <laughs> so it's okay. It all worked out, you know. Um, but um, he left, and about 15 minutes, he wasn't back. 30 minutes, he wasn't back. Two hours. He went out for a drive for two hours. And he wouldn't answer his phone because the phone wasn't on. And he doesn't think like I do. He doesn't think anxious. He's just chill all the time. Carlton's cool as a cucumber all the time. So what happens after about hour number two is I think he's not answering his phone because he had a wreck. So he, his truck is wrapped around a tree somewhere. He's sitting in the ditch. He's hurt. Otherwise, he would be back by now. And then I think, well... Maybe he's okay, but maybe he's really, really mad. Like, maybe he's not coming back. (laughs) Maybe he's he's never coming back. You know, and so Carlton's just chilling. He's out on the road listening to music, clearing his head. And I'm at home, like, dividing our furniture. You know, like, this is it. Like, it's over, you know. And so, okay, so I had a problem, okay? So sometimes I have a problem. And what do I need to do when that happens? I need to renew my mind, all right? So we're going to talk about ways when you're dealing with that kind of anxious, we're going to talk about ways um, that we can renew our mind for that. Because Philippians 4, 6 tells us, be anxious for nothing. But what we do as Christians a lot of times is we'll start feeling anxious, and then we'll think, okay, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious. So I'm not going to be anxious. And then I'm going to feel guilty. I feel guilty about it because the Bible tells me not to do it. And so I'm going to repent. And then I'm going to feel anxious again. Like nothing really changes. I just go in a circle. Anxious, the Bible says, repent, guilt. Like it just goes round and round and round. What I need to do is stop and renew my mind and get it and get out of that cycle. All right, another situation where you can renew your mind to God's word that's going to make you better or make you happier is your moods. Now, ladies, we get a bad. I want you to think about what you were thinking the last time you were angry or depressed or sad. What was going through your head during all that? I bet you weren't thinking about the happiest day of your life, right? You were thinking about something either something that happened or something somebody did or somebody said. So when we feel those things, our bad moods, our depression, our sadness, 
oftentimes that's not a problem so much as it's a result of something. Like, it's not the cause. The mood's not the cause. The mood's just the effect of what we're thinking. Now, sometimes moods, anxiety, depression, I mean, obviously that, that can be chemical or hormone or whatever. I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that that can't ever happen and that doesn't sometimes need to be treated. But a lot of times, it's just a result of what we're thinking about. So I'm going to tell you another story on me and Carlton. We really do have a great marriage <laughs> before, I tell this, before I tell this story. All right. I want to tell you an example again of, in our marriage of what not renewing my mind has led to. And I'm really telling off on myself, right? I'm not really telling off on you. Just that you don't answer your phone. That's okay. All right. So last Friday, me and Carlton drove to Lake Charles to um, close on a house. And so we did all that. It was a stressful process leading up to it. You know, they want so much paperwork and they, everything has to be exactly right. And up until the day before, we weren't sure we were going to be able to close the next day. It was a lot of stress for me. He's cool as a cucumber. It's not a lot of stress for him. But anyway, so we got back Friday night. And then Saturday morning, I woke up. And I just started thinking, okay, we've done it. It's done. I should be relieved. But I start thinking about all the residual paperwork that's waiting on me to do after we close this house. You know, there's people to call. You know, you have to change address on certain things. We, we couldn't, apparently there's an appliance shortage and we couldn't get appliances. And I'm up at 5.15 on Saturday morning trying to find a refrigerator on Home Depot.com, you know. I'm doing all this. I'm trying to file paperwork. I'm up early. And then Carlton gets up about 7 o'clock. And one of Carlton's favorite things in life is Saturday breakfast. And so, and it's not cereal, guys. He don't want cereal on Saturdays. He wants the whole shabam. He wants biscuits. He wants bacon. He wants the whole thing. And I'm trying to be a good wife, and so I'm, I usually try to do the big Saturday breakfast. And so I'm, I'm taking a break from all my stress and all my paperwork, and I'm in the kitchen, and I'm making his Saturday breakfast. And so finally he wakes up, and he wakes up just, just as chipper and happy as he can be. And he's like, it's a great day, you know, blah, blah, blah. We've got this house. And I thought what every single wife has thought at one point. I thought, it must be nice. It must be nice to have somebody get up at 5.15 and do all this paperwork and have breakfast on the table. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about any of this stuff. Must be nice. Must be nice to be Carlton. <laughs> so that's what I thought. So um, anyway, so I, I don't know. That just set me up for a bad day. My dad came over that day. I was in a bad mood, wasn't I? I was. <laughs> I was in a bad mood. I was in a. I was just in a funk all day. It sat down about two thirty, and I'm working on uh, more paperwork. And almost feeling like this is more than just a bad mood. Like it's starting to slip into, I'm just feeling bad about life in general. Like it's just starting to get a little bit too funky, you know. And so I go to clean up the kitchen. I'm washing the dishes and I feel or hear this little inkling in the back of my mind. Aren't you getting ready 
to preach a message on renewing your mind? I was like, you know, I am. What is that scripture you're about to tell everybody else to do? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay. So the scripture that I was going to tell you guys to do was from Isaiah 61, and it's, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good tidings of the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. And this is what I was really going to emphasize to you guys. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I felt the spirit of God say, why don't you practice what you're about to preach? Why don't you put on the garment of praise because you certainly are having a spirit of heaviness all day. And you know what I did? I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. I'm in a bad mood. I have too much to do. I have chicken in the oven. I have food on the stove cooking. I do not have time to stop and put on the garment of praise. And on top of that, I don't really feel like it. You know, there is no rule about praising God when you have chicken in the oven. You can do it. You can praise God anytime. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to just do it. So I took about 20 minutes. I stopped everything I was doing And I just decided I'm going to put on some praise and worship music. And I'm just going to practice what I'm about to preach. And you know what? After about 20 minutes, I did not have any visions. I didn't have any revelations. I did not have any experience. But I can tell you, when I got up from that, the spirit of heaviness, the funk, was completely gone. So what did I need to do all day long? Did I have to wait until 2.30 in the afternoon to renew my mind? I could have renewed my mind at 5.15 and saved me, him, and him a bad day. (laughs) So, (laughs) because our moods and our funk does not only affect us, it affects everybody around us, okay? So my cooking my mind and not putting a stop to, not renewing my mind when I knew for sure that the thoughts that I was thinking we're creating some feelings that I didn't want to have. All right. So last thing, renewing your mind to God's word, it's going to improve your relationships with other people. So people are messy. People are mean sometimes. Sometimes people are gossipy. Sometimes people say things about you that they shouldn't say. But you know what? One thing in this whole world you cannot control You cannot control other people. You cannot control what they do. There's no way. So I got off of Facebook a few months ago. And then since we're moving, I decided to get back on it so I could keep in touch with everybody here. And it's like when you're on it all the time, you don't see it. But when you get back on after a while, you realize that Facebook is, it has to be the most passive aggressive place on the planet. Like everybody posts Things that you know are meant for specific people, but they don't name the person. They just post it. And so what do you have to be doing when you're posting a passive-aggressive thing on Facebook? You have to be sitting around meditating on what somebody did to you. So here, okay, this has not come from anybody in this building's Facebook page, okay? So I didn't pull this off your page. But I did pull some. 
And I want you to think about what these people were thinking when they posted these posts on Facebook. The first one, sometimes it's not that the person changed, it's that the mask finally fell off. What do you think they're thinking? They're thinking about this person that did them wrong and they're sitting around thinking about it and they decide to post a passive-aggressive meme and they're hoping that person is going to read it, but probably they're not. Probably it's all of us that are going to have to suffer through, <laughs> through, through that. It's like scrolling. Thanks a lot for that. You know, I didn't need that today. Number two is my favorite. Some people are like clouds. When they're gone, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Number three, don't expect too much from people. The less you expect, the less disappointed you'll be when they let you down. I mean, come on. That's somebody who's just sitting around feeling sorry for themselves about something somebody did to them, right? But they can't just go to that person and say it. They have to be passive-aggressive on Facebook. All right, but my point is... Not that you need to stop posting stuff on Facebook, but in order to do that, you have to be meditating on what that person did. You have to be thinking about it. It has to be a problem, and it's a silly thing, but relationships are destroyed by things like this. You can destroy a relationship by just ruminating in your mind what somebody did to you, and the more you think about it, the worse you feel toward that person, the more bitter you feel about them. I've seen people, I've seen this happen with my own eyes. I have seen people destroy relationships just by focusing on the negative aspects of other people. Just by focusing something that happened four, five, six years ago that they cannot get over. And will ruin a perfectly good Christian relationship over something that if they had renewed their mind to the Word of God, it wouldn't have been ruined. So... I wrote this scripture down, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, love keeps no record of a, of a suffered wrong. It doesn't say love keeps no record when you think somebody might have done you wrong. It says if something actually did happen, they really did you wrong. Love keeps no record of that. And that's tough. But if we're going to renew our minds to the word of God, then that's the kind of, that we've got to face that. We've got to face that we don't ruminate, hold on, and meditate, and let our minds and our thoughts be filled with the things that people did to us, because it'll ruin your relationship, and it'll just ruin your, it'll ruin your personality, it'll ruin your day. So now, how do you do it? So we've talked a couple, about a couple things that your life will be better, you'll have less fear, less moodiness, less depression, less fractured relationships if you'll learn to renew your mind. So how do you do it? So I'll give you a chance if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 10, 3. That's where we're going to go. There's two more scriptures. And this verse says that we walk in the flesh. We are not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have the divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And this is what I want you to see. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. 
So when it says to take every thought captive, I want you to think about what it means to be in captivity. So I want you to think about a zoo. My dad used to take my sister and I to the zoo every year when we were kids so we could go look at the animals in captivity. What does it mean to be in captivity? It means they're, they're caught, they're in a cage, they can't get out, they're contained, right? Why are they contained in that cage? What's the point? The point is so we can look at them, right? It's, I mean, it's the animals that are in captivity, okay? When you're taking thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, what that entails is you have got to take a look at it. You've got to look at what you're thinking. So if you find yourself in a funk one day, or you find yourself being depressed, or you find yourself angry, if you find yourself anxious, you need to take a look, a good, long, hard look. What, what am I thinking? Because this mood, this fear, that's just a symptom. That's a symptom of what's going on in my mind. So open it up and look at it. And then challenge those thoughts. So I'm going to give you the last verse, and this is the verse. This is the renewing your mind verse. If you don't remember anything else I said tonight or any other verse, this one verse, Philippians 4, 8, is enough for you to renew your mind. It'll keep you busy for the next few months. You don't have to know any other scriptures to renew your mind. I'm call, I call it the filter, the, uh, the renewing your mind filter. So we live in Logansport. Oh, I hope nobody in here works for the Kichau water system. <laughs> but sometimes... Over on Highway 5, if you get your water out of Kicha, sometimes the water is not so filtered. Sometimes the water is brown. Again, don't, don't hate me if, if you work for Kicha. I don't, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying sometimes there's brown water. So what do we do with our water? We filter it. <laughs> we filter it with our little Brita filter and uh, with varying degrees of uh, clearness, you know. So what that does is those water filters, they filter out bacteria, they filter out chlorine, lead, anything that you don't want in your water. That's why you buy a water filter. I have a little thing called a life straw. Have you all heard of those? So I have a life straw that supposedly you can literally bend down into a pond and drink through that life straw, and it filters that so if you ever find me keeled over beside a pond <laughs> with my life straw, you'll know it didn't work. <laughs> so, but it's supposed to work. It's like one of those end-of-the-world scenario things you can buy on Amazon. So never tried it. Anyway, so Philippians 4.8, our go-to mind filter. It says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, this verse gives us such a good filter of what we're supposed to think about. And we can hold our thoughts up against this and filter out anything that doesn't line up or doesn't meet the criteria of this. The first one is whatever things are true. Well, what is the opposite of true? 
false or um, if something is just a speculation, it's not true. It's just a, it's just a speculation. So 90% of the fear, worry, and anxiety that we feel, we're thinking about things that aren't even true. I mean, so we're, we're moving back to Lake Charles. What if there's another hurricane? Like, what if, you know, what if? Well, it could happen, right? It, that's, that's a real possibility. But is it true? It's not true. So does that pass the filter of Philippians? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but if you're anxious and worried about something, if their word if is in front of whatever you're thinking about, that's a good indication that you can just go ahead and filter that thing out. Because if is not true. Um, if... Uh, if so-and-so, maybe somebody's mad at me. Maybe so-and-so doesn't like me. Is that true? If if or maybe is in front of it, it does not pass the filter of Philippians 4.8. So we don't think about it. Uh, number two, whatever is noble. Noble just means honest, honorable. This filters out thinking badly of people. First um, Peter 2.17 says we honor all people. If it's a thought that dishonors another person, we can filter that one out too. All right, we can have peace in our minds by filtering that out. Um, the third one is just, whatever things are just, which just means innocent, faultless. Someone who is acting and feeling is conformed to the word of God. That filters out devious thoughts, thoughts of getting back to people or back at people who hurt us. We have to filter those thoughts out. It doesn't pass the Philippians 4.8 filter. Okay? So when we're mad at somebody and we want to lash out, it doesn't pass. We got to let it go. Number four, purity, uh, pure from carnality, chaste, modest. Uh, that filters out lustful thoughts. You can filter those out. They don't pass Philippians 4.8. Uh, number five, lovely. That means just we think on things that are friendly towards people. So that filters out negative, hateful thoughts. So if somebody cuts you off in traffic and you want to say something ugly, and have road rage. <laughs> we don't think mean, ugly thoughts about those people. It doesn't pass the test. Number six, of good reports. Think on things of good report. Uttering words of good omens, speaking auspiciously, conducive to success, are favorable. Things that are a good report, that filters out negativity in our lives. So if you've got a problem with negative thinking, um, then this would be a good one to kind of put in your, in your filter. So bad things always happen to me. This always, you know, this is always, this is my luck. This is just how life is for me. That does not pass the filter. Okay, we've got to filter out those thoughts. Number seven, virtue. That is moral excellence and purity. Number eight, praiseworthy. And this is kind of the catch-all. Praiseworthy just means, is it praiseworthy? Is it pleasing to God? If you've got some stuff rolling around in your mind, filter it by asking yourself, is this pleasing to God? If it's not, then we have to filter it out. If we just use this one verse to filter out these thoughts, the promise at the end of the verse is, if we meditate on these things, they're going to answer all your problems. I'm not going to say you're never going to have trouble with your mind. And renewing your mind is a lot of work. It's so easy to just let our minds roll around in the things that we've always thought. I'm not going to say this is easy, but I am a teacher, so I'm going to give you some homework. And your homework tonight is I want you to pick one thing, one thing 
that you have trouble with in your mind. Whether it's anxiety, worry, anger, fear, sadness, um, whether you have trouble um, in your marriage, uh, you're having trouble with um, negative thoughts about your spouse, um, negative thoughts about your kids, negative thoughts about your coworkers, whatever. One thing that's been causing you trouble in your mind, and I want you to take Philippians 4, 8, and I want you to filter those thoughts through that verse. And I want you to see if it doesn't make a difference for you. All right, you guys, stand up on your feet, and that's it. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then you guys are dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to to share your word, Father. And I thank you, Father, for your peace, your comfort. I thank you, Father, that you've given us your word so that we can use it to renew our minds. And Father, I pray for protection and safety for every person that leaves tonight. Father, that will come back Sunday, Father. And I thank you for this church family. What a good church family it is. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us today. We hope that this podcast blessed you. Uh, If you'd like to contact us, all of our contact information or come see us, uh, all of our location information is on our website, www.woftx.com. We hope to see you soon.